Phantom Hitchhikers and Roadside Ghosts. It's unknown when these eerie tales first popped up, but they have existed in the United States since the days when we traveled by covered wagon, possibly even earlier. There are roads throughout the world where ghostly travelers have appeared in stories and encounters shared between people. More often than not, the story is of a spirit trying to make its way to a loved one or a final resting place. This is told in many variations throughout the world and might lend credence to these creepy travelers' tales. The simple formula of these phantom hitchhiker stories is that it's easily customizable for the teller's geography, time period, and situation. John can easily become my friend Josh, or when my mom was coming home from college one weekend. The location is often a lonely highway or a bridge, a tree-lined road, or next to a cemetery. Usually, there are two lessons to be learned from these stories. The first is the reminder of the value of community, that you can depend on a stranger for help if you were so in need. The second is a reminder of a warning. Don't do this or you can end up like the ghost. Be careful for dire consequences can occur. Change your ways for you are in peril. Are these just folk tales spun out of boredom? Or are there truly lonely spirits looking for a ride back to their destination and a chance to impart a dire warning or lesson? The world is a fearful place. We are surrounded by people and things that would do us harm. Some walk among us every day, while others lurk in the shadows, a threat unknown. Join us as we discuss all of the things that frighten us most, from the paranormal and unknown, to the true and horrific crimes committed by our very own kind. With Matt Knapp and Lauren Smith on, on Planet, Planet Fear. Fear. Have you ever picked up a hitchhiker? No, but I've wanted to. But because I'm a small female, I'm told that you're not supposed to do that. Have you ever hitchhiked? No, again for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been with my dad when he pitch picked up a hitchhiker. Really? Yes. And the guy ran out of gas. He was all sweaty. I just remember that he was like really sweaty and wearing really short shorts. But uh, yeah, we gave him a ride to the gas station and back. And I always just thought my dad was like the biggest hero because he gave this guy a ride. Yeah. See, people think it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But we both live in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma has lots of small communities spread out all over the place. And hitchhiking, while you don't see it much anymore isn't really something that i grew up thinking was like an uncommon or really that dangerous of a thing um bob who we had on the last episode Mm -hmm. uh, i believe his nephew was like uh hitchhiked down to texas from here what yeah um now maybe he had some people that came and got him i don't remember exactly but I've had an ex-girlfriend who hitchhiked from Tulsa to another town like 60 miles away. Um, that was in the 90s. So I, that wasn't that long ago. I've just seen way too many serial killer documentaries for me to ever Well, yeah, it seems like it seems really like a, a stupid thing to do. Uh, dangerous. Yeah. But like you said, it used to be the thing. guy was really sweaty, he ran out of gas, yeah. and in Oklahoma for the most part uh, and I'm sure it's like this other states. Mm-hmm. People like to help each other, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I think that plays into this whole phantom hitchhiker thing quite a bit. I think so as well. You see somebody who looks stranded or lost or they're just walking on a lonely highway. And your first instinct, my first instinct would be to stop and ask if they needed help, you know. Something you uh, mentioned was that a lot of it uh, seems to be men yeah. picking up the female hitchhikers. Yeah, the interesting fact that I thought was in- that was fascinating about it was the vast majority of the drivers are male. There's very rarely a female that picks up a, a hitchhiker, probably because we're warned against it, but also because a lot of times the phantom hitchhiker is a female. Uh, we're both fans of Supernatural. <laughs> yep. One of us a little more than the other. First episode. First episode. Yep. A phantom hitchhiker luring men late at night. 
Yes. They kind of combined a couple of different things there. They did. They made it their own. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But um, that seems to be the tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our research before we did the show, one of the things that I was surprised to find was I didn't realize that Phantom Hitchhikers were kind of like crybaby bridges. Uh, it's almost like an urban legend. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like everybody's got a Phantom Hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and that's, you know, kind of what I mentioned before was that. The thing about these stories is that they're so easily customizable. Mm-hmm. You can change it to your location and um, your time or, you know, a time period and this person from school in 1982. Right. I mean, you can customize it to your area and everything pretty easily. One of the ones from our own area uh, takes place in Claremore. Claremore Highway 20. It was winter 1965 and May Doria was traveling east on Highway 20 near Claremore. She spotted a hitchhiker, a young boy, and decided to give him a ride. The boy asked to be taken to Pryor, and since Miss Doria was heading in that direction anyway, she agreed to drive him to his destination. When the two reached Pryor, the young boy asked to be let out of the car in an area where there were no homes. When Miss Doria asked him where he lived, he simply stated, over there. She looked to see where they may have possibly been, been a home, and she didn't see anything. She turned back to the boy to tell him, only to find that he had disappeared. She looked everywhere, thinking he might have jumped out of their car, but there was no evidence that he had exited the car at all. In speaking with an acquaintance about the unusual account encounter, he knew immediately what she was speaking of. He, in fact, had been hearing stories about that phantom boy being picked up along Highway 20 since 1936. Okay, so whenever I said I had an ex-girlfriend that hitchhiked, that's the highway she hitchhiked on. Oh, my gosh. That exact highway. And the first time I ever heard of any phantom hitchhikers, you know, around here, that was the story I found about the one out by Claremore, uh, a road that I have traveled on hundreds of times in my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, every weekend for at least a decade Mm -hmm. i went down that stretch of road with you know my grandparents on the way to our lake house or just whatever never saw a phantom hitchhiker i know the area i I, i've done a little research in this exact story i never could find anything about you know lots of people die alongside the road in car wrecks or whatever Mm -hmm. um so i couldn't find anything that made me think, oh, that might be the ghost. Yeah. Um, but then the other story about the little boy on the bicycle, um, which you'll get to in just a second, mm-hmm. is also in that same general area mm-hmm. geographically. Right. And I've been on that stretch of road. And like in the area that they're talking about and everything... If you saw a little boy on the side of the road with Mm -hmm. a bicycle, you would stop there. Mm -hmm. So that second story is Catoosa Highway 412. So in 1989, it is said that a young Native American boy was struck and killed by a car while stopped on the road with his bicycle. The boy was buried in Timber Ridge Cemetery off Highway 412 on the first row near the gate. Since 1993... Drivers claim as they come over the hill, they spot a young boy kneeling next to a bike. Some have said even that they had to swerve to miss him, and others distinctly hear the sound of a car striking something. Upon inspecting the vehicle, drivers say they found no boy or body on the road. However, a few drivers said they spotted bloody handprints on the fender. According to both legendsofamerica.com and shadowlands.net, Catoosa Police Department have on file several reports where drivers said they struck a boy on a bicycle in front of a cemetery gate, even photos of minor damage to cars. No body has ever been found. As it's in 1989 when he was killed, I don't think it's the same boy as the one on 420. I think that boy was just late to dinner and was took out by a horse and buggy or something. Um, being that it is Mennonite country. Um, but this one, I mean, that's crazy. That's 
The fact that people have reported hitting a boy on a bicycle. Yeah, and photos of minor damage to the cars even. That's really creepy. That's that's more evidence even than the um, bus accident in San Antonio where the kids push you yeah. over the tracks, which yeah. I've actually been there and done that. Have you? Yeah. Um, and we did find handprints in the baby powder on what? our bumper. But, I mean, this is, to me, like, ha- has anyone else heard of this? Because this is... This is right down the road. Maybe <laughs> this, you need yeah. to... Maybe you need to. No, I'm not doing that. Uh-uh. I don't want to find bloody handprints. I mean, first of all, um, if you ask my husband especially, you probably couldn't find any place on my car to inflict minor damage because it's already there. <laughs> and a clean spot for bloody handprints because they're already all over the car. No, I didn't. Oh. I didn't say that. You said that. I just want that just to be Just all known. over the inside of the trunk lid. No. I played Awkward. the fifth. <laughs> I just, I think it's interesting. So another thing, whenever I was researching the show, something that I found really fascinating when you look at this less from a ghost or paranormal standpoint and more of a folklore standpoint Mm -hmm. or urban legend standpoint is that the stories, like the farther back you go looking at these stories, the less intense they are. So if you look at the stories from earliest to more recent, You see a change. Older tales will be more lighthearted and they feature like a lonely spirit just trying to go home or find their long lost love. Whereas around the 70s and 80s, when there was more violence and more media coverage of murders and serial killers and violence and all of that going on, the tales started to become darker and more dire. Huh. It went from, oh, she was just trying to make it back to her love. You know, it went to... She was murdered, and now she murders men for fun, or whatever, you know? And uh, a long time ago, uh, before television and radio and all that, when people were traveling, mm-hmm. you know, and they'd stop at an inn for the night or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, storytelling was a big deal, you know? So right. I can see where, like, these kind of stories would be, you know, told around a fire at night, like weary travelers on the road, <laughs> scare the kids before bedtime. Yeah. Things like that. Um, it's interesting that they got more violent as you went, though. Or more dire yeah. is the word I would use. They're just more, you know, the consequences or the, you know, intensity, you know, stuff like that. And it's it's just interesting to me. And, and when you look at them, it was around the 70s and 80s whenever they changed. And around the 70s and 80s is when not only did murders and serial killers and violence become prevalent in the media... Pop but culture that's, as well. <clears throat> pop culture as well, but that's when hitchhiking really hit. Yeah. A big, you know, it, I mean, that's when it really hit big. Yeah. You were uh, people were hitchhiking all over the country. Right. So. And you don't really hear. It's kind of funny because you have these stories, mm-hmm. and then you have like TV shows and movies based off like the dangers of picking up a hitchhiker, mm-hmm. you know, the killer and everything. Yeah. I don't recall any true crime where this has actually happened where somebody there's some serial killer that you know was a hitchhiker or something do you remember hearing of any like really horrific incidents involving hitchhikers i i do i feel like there was one but i can't i can't remember the details right now but i do feel most of them were the victim um of the serial killer most of the hitchhikers were the victim but i do feel like there was one but i might be getting it mixed up i don't know i'll have to look into it because i mean but then it even gets kind of murky because you do have you know the prostitutes and they would accept rides from gentlemen does that count they were they might have been trying to go to a destination we don't know eileen somewhere to back alley or something well like eileen wernos you know (laughs) like She, I I don't know if this was one of hers, but I know she would definitely probably accept a ride from a guy and then kill him and go about it. I was thinking about the movie, like, The Hitcher, (laughs) where he, like, terrorizes a family and all that. Things like that. Like, it'd be interesting to see if that's actually happened. Yeah. Well, we have signs in Oklahoma that I have seen. Yes. That say, do not pick up hitchhikers. They might be an inmate. That's scary. That's terrifying. So and, do yeah. inmates escape a lot? I know. I know. On the off chance that they might escape. But I mean, 
Still. It's, it's just kind of crazy that like taxpayers' money went yeah. towards putting out all these road signs yeah. to let you know, hey, if you run across a hitchhiker in this particular area, don't pick them up. They might be escaped. What's bad is my first thought is always like, oh my gosh, that's scary. Like, what if I see somebody and, uh, you know, should I call it in? Should I call the police? What do I do? You know, just stupid good Samaritan thoughts. And then my second thought is always like, what if I break down and I have to walk to a gas station? <laughs> I don't know. I, exactly. But I don't know that I would even get in a car with anyone anyway. I would never hitchhike. I mean, like, you know, I have yeah. a gas can in my hand, which I don't have one of those. I should probably get one now that I think about it. But like, <laughs> you know, my car broke down or something and I'm walking down the road and I think to myself, like, nobody's going to pick me up because I think I'm an inmate, which I don't know that much about McAllister, especially. But yeah. is, is it? McAllister's one of the areas. The uh, the other area is uh, Veneta, where the mm-hmm. mental hospital was at. Yes. So, I mean, I don't know. Which is also... I would definitely fit the bill for one of those inmates, so I'm sure I wouldn't get picked up. That's also in the general geographic region of those other stories that we read about the phantom hitchhikers so here's a here's a thought so now i'm going to be thinking if i do see a hitchhiker do i pick them up just in case they are a phantom hitchhiker why would you voluntarily because i'm not going to get hurt according to the stories (laughs) well did you not watch supernatural (laughs) that's what i'm saying there's so much negative lore behind it so and yeah, not these apparently, but newer ones, yes. But I think for you especially, since you apparently want to pick up a ghost, I don't. Well, want you already to. live with them, so I feel I like that's not. probably not a big deal to I you. I sent them to your house. No, my orbs are different than your ghosts, but um, I feel like you should just carry around a little jar of sage, and if things start getting weird. And they start getting violent or frisky, you pop the top and burn that bitch. Okay. Okay. Just keep it in the console there. Video where it didn't happen. <laughs> Just right there. <laughs> Around Little your box. neck in a bottle. Oh. Be good. So I just have a bottle of sage hanging around yeah, my neck. It's not weird. Every time I drive somewhere. It's fine. So is this the part where I tell my story? You have a story? I have a story. Oh my gosh. But it's not really a hitchhiker. But here's my line of thinking. After reading on some of these things, Mm -hmm. like I said, it's kind of like an urban legend at this point. So you go from phantom hitchhiker to just apparitions along the road, Mm -hmm. roadside ghosts, things Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, They all seem to fit into the same category. So in this same geographic area, Outside of the town that the first hitchhiker was trying to make it to, supposedly. I was on my way to my ex-girlfriend's house, the one that hitchhiked along that stretch of road. And it was a late autumn day. The sun had gone down. It wasn't dark, but it was overcast. It was raining, like headlights on, all that. It was a housing addition Mm -hmm. on the outside of town. I'm on her street. I'm almost to her house. There's a little boy wearing jeans and a red hoodie. He's got the hoodie all tucked down, hands in his pockets, you know, just walking along the side of the road in the rain, in the cold, in the dark. I probably would have stopped, to be honest, but I was so close to her house, and it's like a housing addition. Mm -hmm. So I'm just thinking like, okay, he's late getting home or something, Mm -hmm. you know? So I just go on to her house. Don't really think anything about it. Later on, just in casual conversation, I was like, oh, on the way here, I saw this little boy like walking in the rain. You know, it's all crazy. And she was like, what did he look like? I said, I don't know, you know, maybe six, seven years old, not real old, not very big. Had on like a red hoodie and jeans and like face goes pale, eyes get big. And she's like, oh, my God, like yells for her mom to come in there. And her mom comes in there and she goes, Matt saw the ghost. And I'm like, look at her. No, I didn't. What are you talking about? (laughs) And she tells her mom to tell me the story. And her mom's like, you mean the little boy? And I'm just like, at that point, I'm like, 
okay, what's going on? Am mm-hmm. I being like punked? Like, <laughs> am I on candid camera? So in the back of the neighborhood area, there's an old oil well. You know, with the tanks and everything. I'm sure you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. The story is there is this little boy who is out playing at the oil well. Something happened. Died. And people would report seeing him walking back home from the oil well wearing his red hoodie and jeans. The red hoodie was very specific. Right. Did I see a ghost of a little boy on the side of the road? I don't know. Yeah. But it was awfully strange circumstances. Yeah. And it just so happened to be in an area that has this urban legend of this little boy in a red hoodie that is seen walking home after dying at the oil well. Poor little kid. Yeah. So instead of hitchhikers, because you mentioned a ghostly Mm -hmm. apparition walking along a byway, the Ortega Ridge Road in California. As you drive down this road, watch out for ghostly nuns. That's right. Ghostly nuns. Ghostly nuns. Bless you, my child. For over a century, three nuns reportedly stand, arms crossed, dressed in black with white habits, on the side of the road, now called Las Tres Hermanas. These three sisters were supposedly killed and tor- I'm sorry, tortured, then killed by Native Americans and have haunted the road ever since. The three sisters are perhaps from the Santa Barbara Mission. And despite being warned not to leave Santa Barbara, did so anyway with supplies, medicine, and candles for those who needed it. But before they could reach the first Native American village, they were set upon, tortured, and murdered. It is said that the sisters, before they lost consciousness, even forgave their killers. Their ghosts are usually seen at night with bright blue eyes, shining and glowing faces. They turn to watch the cars passing by. It is rare to see them during the day, although visitors have reportedly felt the nun's emotional imprint. That would freak me out. If I was driving down a curvy, (laughs) desolate highway in the middle of the night, and three nuns were walking down the road, Mm -hmm. and then looked at me with glowing blue eyes, I would probably just... If I didn't just pee my pants, I would die. (laughs) The glowing eyes and faces part gets me like, I feel like maybe seeing those apparitions, I would be like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe that's a, that's been a thing. But the glowing eyes part, that part feels made up to me. Like that feels like it was tacked on during one of the many retellings by some high school kids, you know? Right. But nuns? Well, I mean, being near the Santa Barbara mission, you don't, that could be a thing. So one of the things I found interesting was that how many people blended a Bloody Mary or Weeping Woman type of story into their um, Phantom Hitchhiker or Roadside Ghost story. Like, for instance, Resurrection Mary in Chicago. Oh, yeah, this is a big one. This is probably the most famous phantom hitchhiker story. And yet I had never heard about it until Neither I had this. I. Isn't that crazy? I guess it's because we're not from Chi-Town. <laughs> she just... Okay. The Windy City. Okay. Just southwest of Chicago, Chet's Melody Lounge sits bravely across the road from Resurrection Cemetery, drawing in a steady stream of locals to shoot the breeze and have a few. For years, regulars pretty much disregarded the Bloody Mary eternally perched at the end of the bar and the Ballad of Resurrection Mary once listed among the selections on the jukebox, now replaced by a digital jukebox, of course. Just as they have adopted Chicago's most famous phantom as an accepted fact of life, certainly the impact of phantom-related folklore on the Southwest Side culture, well captured in Keenan Heiss's novel Resurrection Mary, A Ghost Story is indeed the most obvious in the cultural prominence of this persistent legend. Do you write this, Matt? Sounds like something you would write. I did not write this. <clears throat> uh-huh. 
But while Mary's legendary spirit has contented itself with the haunting of a tiny stretch of Archer Avenue in the village of South Suburban Justice, the image of this elusive personality has thumbed itself into the hearts and history of all of Chicago. From the old-timer, still vibrant accounts of her to the young Chicago rap artist singing about Rez Mary, this specter's appeal reaches every generation, with good reason. For more than 80 years, travelers along Archer Avenue have reported bizarre encounters with a single-minded young woman in a white dress, of course, and dancing shoes who seems real as can be until she proves herself decidedly otherwise. Typical is the following incident. Many years ago, several young men, out for a night of dancing and drinking, met an aloof but gorgeous young woman. They always have to be gorgeous. And aloof. And aloof. I just wanted to say aloof. (laughs) With whom they danced and they tried to socialize. At the end of the evening, she asked for a ride home and squeezed into the front seat of the car with the driver and one of his friends. Sure enough, after directing the driver to head north along Archer Avenue, she vanished from the car at the cemetery gates. After some deliberation, the young men, having earlier coaxed the girl's address out of her, decided to drive to her home in Chicago's back-of-the-yards neighborhood and see if she had turned up all right. True to the classic tale, they were promptly informed that the girl was dead, having been tragically killed in an automobile accident sometime before. Weary but wiser, they resolved to forget the whole incident and go about their way. Time and time again, young men would meet the moody young woman at the ballroom, share dances with her, and later describe her as cold, both physically and emotionally. After these dances, the girl would accept rides home, giving vague directions to her escorts to drive along Arthur Avenue North. As their cars passed the gates, she would disappear. Famously, in 1936, the late Jerry Paulus spent a whirlwind evening dancing with a lovely young woman at the Liberty Grove Hall and Ballroom previously believed to have been a tavern tavern in her neighborhood, but now believed to have been another name for the old O. Henry Ballroom, later the Willowbrook, which stood on Archer Avenue as well. When Pallas offered her a ride home with he and his brother, she accepted him, directing him up Archer Avenue. In front of the gates of the Resurrection Cemetery, the young woman said she had to leave him and that he could not follow her. She left the car, disappearing at the main gate, leaving Jerry and his bewildered brother speechless. As the dance hall encounters with this phantom partner multiplied, they seemed to center on the O. Henry, and it was here that Mary forged her reputation. But it was on the road itself in the wee hours of many a dark morning where she made her biggest impact. Mary first appeared to unsuspecting southwest side drivers on Archer in the 1930s as well. When late-night revelers complained to the police that a woman had tried to jump on the running boards of their automobiles as they made their way home after a night of dancing. Other Archer Avenue drivers have been surprised by a beautiful young woman who will simply open the car door and climb in, directing the driver to proceed up Archer Avenue where she disappears in the usual way at the cemetery gates. Some bewildered drivers have even watched as she runs right through the lock gates and into the darkness beyond. At still other times, drivers have watched a woman in a flowing white dress walk along the roadside and then vanish, as if switched off by a light. In some of the most harrowing incidents, although, the woman has been struck while bolting in front of moving cars, bleeding in the road after these crashes, she has been known to dematerialize before or during approaches by would-be rescuers. So the stories are all over the place. Yeah. Now, yeah, for her. Right. So, who is Mary? Some researchers speculate that this mystery woman heads for one grave among thousands at the 475-acre burial ground known as Resurrection Cemetery. It would be site number 9819, section MM, that of a young Polish woman, Mary Brugovi. Records indicate that Brigovi was killed in a car accident in 1934, allegedly on her way home from a dance at the O. Henry. But attempts to link this Mary with the resurrection legend have yielded far less than satisfactory results. So Mary Brigovi mm-hmm. is just a woman that happens to be named Mary mm-hmm. that died in a car accident in the general area. 
So why do they call her Resurrection Mary? I mean, because she's out yeah. dancing at all. Does she tell people that her name's Mary? Why do they think that's who it is? Is that the only woman that's died in the area? I don't know. That just uh, All of that seems really weird to me. I know. And I mean, so they're even saying that she has hopped cabs and not paid her yeah. fare. She has been in, um, caused pileups because of sightings. And she also reportedly burned her handprints into the wrought iron fence around the cemetery. That's creepy. Although in 1976, in August, officials at the cemetery have stated that a truck had damaged the fence and there was no evidence of a ghost. Hmm. Sounds like a government cover-up to me. I'm just kidding. And what's with the white dress? The white dress is it's, an ongoing theme. It's always got to be a white dress. It's, it, it, because they're pure. And well, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of these stories um, come across as like a guy trying to get laid by this beautiful girl that, you know, mm-hmm. puts him off all evening and then asks for a ride home and he thinks he's going to get lucky or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she vanishes into thin air. Most of the stories are very repetitive yes this one does this you see it here this one she's kind of just like in the general area sometimes she's at the bar dancing you know like sometimes she's jumping out in the middle of traffic sometimes she's hopping in the backseat of a taxi like there just seems to be a lot going on with resurrection mary that's a little bit different than the other ones you know, it always has her jumping out at the cemetery. Right. Like, why would she want to go home to a cemetery? That's Doesn't weird. make a lot of sense. Right. Like, Night of dancing. Take me back to the cemetery. Let's go back to the cemetery. <laughs> um, however, in a January 31st, 1979 article in the Suburban Trib, columnist Bill Geist detailed the story of a cab driver, Ralph, who picked up a young woman, a looker, he says, a blonde. She was young enough to be my daughter, 21 tops, near a small shopping center on Archer Avenue. She said, a couple miles up Archer, there. She jumped with a start like a horse and said, here, here, and I hit the brakes. I looked around, and I didn't see no kind of house. Where, I said. And then she sticks out her arm and points across the road to my left and says, there. And that's when it happened. I looked to my left And just like that, there's a little shack. When I turned, she was gone, vanished, and the car door never opened. May the good Lord strike me dead, it never opened. Geist described Ralph as not an idiot or a maniac, but rather in Ralph's own little, oh, I'm sorry, in Ralph's own words, a typical 52-year-old working guy, a veteran, father, little league baseball coach, churchgoer, the whole shot. Geist goes on to say the simple explanation is Resurrection Mary. Resmary. Resmary. A lot of people seem to have seen Resmary. I mean, but that one was different. She didn't yeah, go to the again, cemetery. She went to to a house, so that's You have a change in the story. Mhm. There's there's so many that involve young ladies. Um there's one in Raleigh in North Carolina on Highway 70. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so basically um it starts the legend begins in late December 1923. Um, Lydia was leaving a dance in Raleigh, some say with her boyfriend on her way home. It was raining. She lost control of the car. She hit the Southern Railroad underpass bridge, and in one version, her partner died instantly, while Lydia attempted to get help and succumbed to her injuries on the side of the road. The other has her dying instantly in the car accident. Back in the 1920s, car accidents weren't an everyday occurrence as they are today. Right. And it seems someone has come across what is believed to be Lydia's death certificate, stating that she really died December 31st, 1923, from fatal injuries from a motoring accident. But we don't know if that's the same Lydia from the legend. Um, In any case, there have been many reports since 1924 of motorists picking up a young woman in a white dress along U.S. Highway 70. And according to the stories, the drivers are frequently male and alone in the car. Hmm. And um, going on through the article, she's been to a dance. She's trying to get home. 
And she gives the guy the address and then disappears. And this is in North Carolina. In North Carolina. A completely different area than Chicago. Mm -hmm. Same time frame, sort of. Mm -hmm. You know, Mary's in the 30s. This is right around then. Uh, But such striking similarities. Mm -hmm. To that one, um, it also bears striking similarities to the other stories we've heard, such as the guy goes to the address and when he gets there he knocks on the door and an old woman answers and it turns out her daughter died in a car crash mm-hmm. back in the day and she shows him a picture and it's the girl it's definitely a trend um yeah. with the white dress the dance trying to make it home lone male driver mm-hmm. so is this just an urban legend to me personally, I feel like all of these have basis in fact, like as in there was something that happened back then. Um, I think probably used, it began as a cautionary tale to other teens not to do whatever this one did or whatever, but now it's become, you know. I mean, like we were talking before the show, like uh, literally there's stories from the Bible. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes. I mean, the the overall premise of the phantom hitchhiker yes goes back since the beginning of storytelling yeah to biblical yeah and it and i did find that in my research as well and um i can't explain it you know it's i do believe in spirits and ghosts and i think that there are sightings of this and maybe these occurrences do happen but i feel like more times than not it's just an urban legend or a from folklore. the paranormal aspect like mm-hmm. from the the scientific study of the unknown <laughs> it makes sense mm-hmm. it is a recipe for paranormal activity i mean like roadside accidents do happen they're very traumatic mm-hmm. you know if a drunk driver clips somebody on the side of the road and, you know, they lay there in the ditch bleeding out until they finally die. I could see where that would cause a haunting in the area, mm-hmm. you know. Or if somebody did pitch, pick up a hitchhiker and something horrible happened to them. Uh, once again, that yeah. is uh, prime prime kindling for a ghost story. It is. It is. Um... But then you have some that don't fit. The stereotypical lady in white dress dance. That's true. We have, there's quite a few that are, not quite a few actually, sorry. There are quite a few that are women, but there are not that many that are men. Um, Like this one from Black Horse Lake, Montana, Highway 87. So here's how it typically plays out. Someone will be driving down this lonely highway towards Fort Benton, usually at night. And since this is a flat area, visibility is usually pretty good. Someone in the car suddenly spots a Native American man dressed all in denim on the side of the road. The man will appear to be hitchhiking, but as the car gets closer, he'll suddenly roll over the hood and across the windshield of the vehicle as if he's been struck. Obviously, the normal reaction would be to get out of the vehicle, see if he's okay, which the driver often does. But by then... The man has disappeared and is nowhere to be found. And, of course, there's never so much as a scratch on the vehicle. This could easily be dismissed as the product of an overactive imagination, except that has happened many, many times. And every time it happens, the story is exactly the same. This one stood out to me. Yeah. I don't know why, but for some reason, this one seems more believable to me. I mean, the story is the same every time yeah it doesn't vary right that yeah definitely with any um whether it be paranormal bigfoot whatever you are investigating if it's the same the same encounter over and over and over from different witnesses right that probably haven't talked to each other hopefully haven't talked to each other that lends more credence to I the mean, story. I mean, in a lot of these type situations, you're, you know, they're left as unknown or pseudoscience or whatever because the majority of the evidence <laughs> is not physical. It's anecdotal. <laughs> right. And so you, whenever you're talking about eyewitnesses and the stories that they tell, absolutely. That's one of the key things that you look for to add substance to something is 
are the stories the same? Are they describing the same thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, the behavior of the guy, where he's seen, it's always the same spot. You know, uh, the full denim suit, that's kind of weird. Like, that's not something somebody would, you know, I don't think somebody would be like, oh, yeah, and he was dressed head to toe in denim. Yeah. Like, I mean, and then somebody else says that? Yeah, unless you're Britney Spears or, you know, the guy she was with that always wore full denim. Like, nobody, nobody just, no. Canadian tuxedo? Yeah, that. I mean, unless it's a Montana thing, I'm not judging. I don't know. No, of course not. <laughs> I'm wondering if any of those signs were on that highway. <laughs> don't but, pick up but, your Yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe they have denim jumpsuits. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. What could make prison more torturous than that? Uh, nope, that's it. That would work. Stonewash denim. Stonewash denim. Just a full jumpsuit of denim. I, I think you'd deal with some chafing. Oh, it's not very a very breathable mm, fabric. No. no, that's unfortunate. Now we said that that one was very specific, like it was the same mm-hmm. encounter over and over and over. It didn't vary like Resurrection Mary. Right. However, dun 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 dun. Plot twist. Even though it was very specific, or it didn't vary, that same tale or one like it is actually repeated here in Oklahoma. So you have the El Reno Route 66. That's El Reno, Oklahoma. If you are traveling the mother road between Weatherford and El Reno, Oklahoma at night, keep your eyes open because legend has it that this part of the old mother road is haunted by an elderly humpbacked man said to appear in a brown trench coat wearing a bogey-style hat pulled down over his eyes. He has often been spotted walking along the old highway, especially on foggy or rainy nights, which is another element that is usually added. Reportedly, one person said they picked up this old figure on one wet evening and the little eerie man wouldn't talk to him. Soon, the vagabond tried to jump out of the moving car. The driver immediately pulled over to the side of the road to let him out, only to spot the man walking again several miles ahead of the driver on the road. Here's where this relates to the other story. Another person said that they thought they had hit the man with their vehicle, but when they stopped to check on him, nobody was there. I don't know what to think about this one. I'm just hoping I pronounce that style hat yeah, properly. Yeah, Humphrey I don't even, Bogart. Oh, bogey. Bogart. See, yeah. like that? No. I didn't know it was called a bogey Like hat. a fedora or something. Yeah. Some kind of hat. I get it. Trench coat. I get it. Completely out of place for not just Oklahoma, but specifically that area of Oklahoma. You ain't lying. Point being, a trench coat. Yeah. And it... Right there, not stopping. (laughs) Guy on the side of the road in a trench coat, never going to stop for No. Yeah, same. But he's an old humpbacked man. The thing that did stand out about this one to me, Mm -hmm. the part where you said one traveler had uh, passed them or let them out and then saw them again farther down the road ahead mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. We know some people. I'm not going to say their names, but you and I know some people who have told me stories we know of people. from that same area of Oklahoma about this old man, an old Native American man, that supposedly you'll see in one part of the state as you're driving down the highway and then you'll be a couple towns away and you'll pass him on the side of the road again you're in a vehicle he's on foot there are stories uh in native american lore lore i guess i tradition well this is uh, the reason i'm hesitant as to how to talk about it is because i don't know how to talk about it because it's not something that I can find any information on other than people telling me stories about it. They call them windwalkers. People who have the ability to, quote unquote, walk on the wind or basically transport themselves from one place to another. They cover hundreds of miles on foot in like 30 minutes to an hour. That would be handy. Yeah. And I've heard this from the people that we know. And then I've heard it from somebody else, completely unrelated, 
but I find it interesting that they mention that about this phantom hitchhiker in the same part of Oklahoma where I've heard stories about an old man and people witnessing the same thing. I mean, this is something that not just the people we know have witnessed, but other people have told them about it as well. Well, so, and this is not, again, to reiterate for people who have dedicated their listening time to all of our shows so far, this is not the same area where you saw the Native American man apparition. No, no not at all. I mean, that was in Texas, obviously, but, right. you know, sometimes Texas and Oklahoma, geographically, they're right but, next uh, to each other. But I think what we have said, uh, or at least I know I've said it, uh, Oklahoma is a weird place. It's a weird place. I mean, pretty much anything you can think of, I mean, especially when it comes to, like, ghost stories or just weird stories in general, everybody mm-hmm. you run across has a story. Oh, absolutely. Every town has a story. Yep. Every town in Oklahoma has a crybaby bridge. Literally, you can ask anyone, where is a crybaby bridge? They'll have one. Yeah. Um, everyone will have a story about a local cemetery. Mm-hmm. Or, um, like, even Matt here was telling me about a haunted facility near his home, which I thought was quite rude. He didn't warn me of that before I came over the first time. Like, hey, by the way, like a block away. Well, that one's pretty famous, though. Is the most haunted place in I Tulsa. I think we should investigate it. I think you should investigate it. I'll stay here. I mean, it's a good idea, but then again, maybe I don't want to. Uh-huh. That's what I just said. Like, I'll stay here with your ghost. At least I know yours are nice. I do want to touch real quick, because we are in Oklahoma and because this is the land of Native Americans, I'm surprised that we don't hear the Native American apparition lore more more often in all Oklahoman towns. Like, this is the first I'm hearing of that Native American apparition, and I feel like in this state especially, especially since like 90% of the names of this state are Native American names, that should be more common. You would think so. Why do you think it isn't? I don't know. I was just sitting here thinking about that, trying to think of something. To me, I know just from being a Bigfoot researcher for 20 years and knowing that eight times out of 10, a tribe will not talk about Bigfoot. Are they the same way about spirits? Uh, Yes. So they won't. I mean, that could be why we don't Um, hear a lot about that. On a future episode, (sighs) I will talk about the time that I was a guest, an invited guest, at a traditional Native American funeral service for a very close friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And the things that I experienced there that uh, turned a general interest and wondering... I'll just say this much. After the things I experienced there, Native American spirituality and magic, I'm not trying to use a generic term like that, but all of that stuff is legit. It's all very real. Mm -hmm. I am 100% convinced. I understand why they're not concerned with proving it to anyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the, the things I experienced... And it, it wasn't just me. There was several of us there. Um, 100% real. But that will be a very difficult show for me to get through. Um, but, no, they do not talk about spirits. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff you hear from the tribes in Oklahoma are about bad, evil things that you don't want to run across, and mm-hmm. that's why they don't talk about them. Right. Uh, talking about them summons them gives them power whatever and they don't go there but whenever it comes to actual spirits of just you know hauntings and things like we're talking about they don't talk about that stuff either it's just interesting to me that there are not more native american ghost stories or spiritual apparition lore in oklahoma we'll have to look into that we'll have to look into that While we look into the Girl Scout murders. Yeah, we'll be doing that one pretty soon. Yeah. I'm eager because I've, I've, there's so, there's just not a whole lot of, of uh, coverage for that. Not really. 
Not like there should be. Not Yeah, not like there should be, not in the scale of other things that have happened. Not that they were lesser things, but this was a weird one. Mm-hmm. And it was an important one. And because it hit so close to home, and you know, you know, we've discussed this, and, and our channel will not be all about Oklahoma or, you know, all about our region. It's just that we do happen to have a lot of creepy things that happen around us or, yeah, or horrible things like the Bever Brothers murders. But but um, but this one does happen to be here and it it's it's really worth covering. And I think it's it's great. It, not great. That's a bad, bad relation. But it's it's great to bring it to light. Yeah. And I think it's just we happen to know about it because it was so close to home. So. We think more people need to know about this. On the next episode, though, we're talking about the town that dreaded sundown. The phantom killer. The moonlight murders. Of Texarkana. Yes. So, in between now and then, go watch the movie that was directed by the same man who directed Legend of Boggy Creek for all of our Bigfoot fans. And... Let us know what you think, and hopefully we cover the actual story and the interesting tidbits that were left out of that movie. With a guest appearance by Don Wells. <laughs> oh, no. You yeah. made me laugh. And go watch, go watch no. the original one from the 70s. Don't go watch the remake from 2014, because I watched the original, so you have to watch the original. <laughs> oh, no. He warned me, and then yeah. told me to watch it, and now I don't want to watch it. Well, I, I'm I'm interested in what people think about it, because, not that they'll tell me, but I'm going to say some things, some observations I made, and yeah. I well, I think wonder if people will agree or not. You gave a pretty good review for me on it. <laughs> um like there was a lot of Matt had a lot of interesting insight into the cinematography of it. So like aspects that may or may not have spawned later horror films, um, ideas I say for they later. Did. Yeah. So um, if anything, even if you don't want to, you know, you don't like the actual movie, um, that part was interesting to me because we do know that earlier movies were the basis for later horror films that may have been more successful. So I think that's interesting at the very least. But the story is interesting in itself. And, um, you know, when a movie says based on a true story, um, sometimes I feel like they need to put loosely based in there. Or barely. Yeah, because the actual story of the Moonlight Murders... Um, I mean, there's just a lot that they didn't cover, and it's it's brutal. So we will be covering that on the next episode. And It almost seemed like they didn't cover it because it was more brutal than what they actually did. Maybe. I, I guess back in that era, it wasn't as widely accepted to slaughter everyone on film. I don't know. But we'll talk about that. In the next episode. Of Planet Fear. As always, we thank you for listening. Please don't forget to give us a five-star review and a like. Also, check out our other social media sites for new content. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time on Planet Fear. You think Uber drivers have experienced Resurrection Mary? If you are an Uber driver listening to this podcast, please contact us at www.planetfearpodcast.com and tell us your experience. You think she has, like, the Uber app? Will that start playing into Phantom Hitchhiker stories? It's interesting. Ride shares. Right. You should have just led with that. Yeah. Got to be all specific.